Wow, alright, very cool, man. Here we are, episode 17. Gosh, man. Alright, let's get going. Alright, man, here we are again, episode 17, Cozy Corner of Cinema. Good stuff to talk about today. Last week was a little unfocused, and I'll be the first to admit that. I almost didn't upload last week's episode because it was such a chaotic and busy week that, for one, I missed the day of which I normally record them, and two, I didn't have a clear outline, as I sometimes do. Now, whether or not I get to everything I intend to talk about typically is not the case, but it's good to have more than to have less, so if I have X amount of topics or films I'd like to discuss and I only get to two or even one, then that's okay, man. It's just all about getting it out there, and last week was just a little unorganized, so I do apologize. I almost didn't even upload last week's, but I figured that might as well keep the streak going, but this week has been a little more stable in terms of the workflow of getting things done. The writing is taking a bit of a dent, but that's okay. We're going to use this next week and the days ahead to put that into overdrive and get some good work done. And good work will be done. So, where to begin with today? I guess I will discuss a, a peculiar film that I had no intention of talking about. It's a film that I watched last night. And I want to give a little... Shout out out there, even though he does not need it, but just a little heads up if you're not aware of his YouTube channel of Horrible Reviews YouTube channel. He is somebody who I've been watching for quite a long time, and he makes various videos. I think he's most known for his Disturbing Movies um, uh, videos. He's made quite a number of them, and those have gotten him the most views, I believe, but he also talks about a lot of genre stuff, a lot of uh, weird cult cinema as well. He's a guy who uh, I, I truthfully do not watch many, if any, YouTube uh, uh, film YouTube channels. I, uh, I have not come across many that interest me a lot. It's, it's, I, I prefer to get my information through books and podcasts and recommendations online, uh, especially when it comes to cult films, or uh, a term that I don't use but is is tossed around as films people say so bad is good, and I'll explain a bit why I don't use that term. Uh, horrible, horrible Reviews somehow manages to talk about those type of films without being mean-spirited and without taking uh, easy jabs, uh, which is something that I... Just find is a very easy thing to do, but uh, he 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 pokes fun of the film, but it's in a very loving way, and you can tell that he really loves the film as well. Sometimes I get recommendations for YouTube channels that are long videos making fun of some film, and I just uh, that's just not my kind of uh, not my kind of video. I don't see any value in in spending that time just trashing a film. I'd rather use that time to get recommendations on films worth watching or or films that uh, are 
worthy of my time. And Horror Reviews is the exception where he can make long videos about these, but it never comes off as mean-spirited, and it never comes off as taking cheap jabs, which uh, couldn't be so easy to do. Anyways, I just want to say, if you're not already familiar with this channel, do yourself a favor and, and give his videos a watch. He just released a video yesterday, or I'm sorry, a couple days ago, about the current four American guinea pig films, and... Uh, very good talk there, uh, and even those films as well, he's not as big of a fan of, but he sees its highs and lows and is truly one of the, the most quality YouTube channels that I have come across, and he puts a lot of effort into his work. So if you're not familiar already, um, please do yourself a favor and give his videos a watch. Um, he is truly above and beyond, I would say, uh, nearly uh, probably all of the other film YouTube channels that I have come across. So... Um, a video, a film that he had talked about, uh, which I had, I had no intention of fully watching, but it, it just sucked me in, man. It's a film from 2020 called The Huldra, and it's a film that I don't even know how to fully explain. I have many questions about the film, I have many questions about the intentions, and it's a film that must be seen to be believed, because I don't exactly know what to make of it. And I find it funny how, if you go on IMDb, there are only three films that it says more like this. First one up is Huldra, Lady of the Forest, which is a film from 2016, which I am not familiar with. The second is Gaspar Noe's Vortex, which I talked about a few episodes ago, which I'm not really sure the connection there. And the third was a recent film that came out earlier this year called We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, which is a very low-key, um, small film, uh, mostly set in like a, a, a character's bedroom, so I'm not really sure the connection there. Um, but anyways, the Holdra, do I explain the plot? I don't know. Can't, I don't know if I can even fully wrap my head around the plot, because the film is almost entirely exposition. Uh, every scene is our primary two characters. Uh, there's, well, okay, even the IMDb is a little peculiar. There's four names listed, but there's only three names. Because Hunter Hall is credited twice. And then we have Annette Mayo and Lars Slob Slobodo, which I assume are just the three characters in the film. There's the only three. So I'm going to assume that the main, well, actually, I'm sorry, there's four characters in the film primarily but only two leads. Uh, so, I assume that Hunter Hall and Annette Mayo are the leads. That's their names. Um, there is a connection between this ancient Holdra and the famous clock tower scene from uh, the classic masterpiece, Safety Last, about this character, Julie, whose ancestors uh, were involved with that and helped that sequence, as well as the main character, Joseph, who was connected to William Randolph Hearst, who I think was the, what, was he the cinematographer on Safety Last? They said this in the movie, man, but I, I truly am struggling to remember the specifics of what they were talking about. Let me see here. I can actually look up here. Cinematographer William Waller, Walter London 
So maybe not. Maybe I just got that horribly wrong. But there are many, many sequences of characters explaining the exposition in a peculiar way where the camera will spin around them as they are talking, and the characters follow the camera around in a dizzying, merry-go-round effect, man. And you gotta wonder, have you ever met anyone who has sat... I'm sorry. Have you ever met anyone who has had a conversation like this that were not under the influence of drugs and alcohol? I sure haven't. In fact, even talking to people who have been under the influence of drugs and alcohol, I have never had a conversation like this. And there are many, many conversations of the such. They talk about many things, like the history of the whole drug. Uh, they talk about Harold Lloyd. They talk about... They talk about... Uh, they bring up the, the band The Cure a lot. And they even will stop the conversation to, to tell each other... To, to, to speak lyrics of Cure songs, which I did not pick up on immediately, man. I, I'm not familiar with the music of The Cure, and I it goes into a POV spinning session uh, with bizarre filters where the colors are overly saturated and there are artificial editing effects of close-ups or duck angles or flashings. There's also many other sequences where there will be exterior shots with these uh, orbs around. And it's like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, man. But as it goes along, they fall in love, I suppose, man. I mean, they, they say multiple times that, that he is in love with her. Um, Apologies, man. I'm so unprofessional. I got a phone call. I had to pause it, but I don't remember what I was talking about before, man. But, okay, so they're in love, man, or he's in love with her, but the holotry can't be in love with him, but they kiss. So whenever they kiss, you get these strange kind of surreal um, um, effects of their body stretching in, a, in a, quite a strange way. And then uh, they're recreating, well, they're recreating the imagery of Harold Lloyd on the clock tower hanging off and their bodies combobulate in a long three minute sequence that ends with her saying she's bleeding and then it goes back to the film and they and it happens at, at least from what I counted four or five times and as the film goes on there are, I, I mean I won't just say sequence by sequence but there are many bizarre sequences man there's uh, a whole song where they're in a mall and the character is singing about various serials uh, and there's a scene in a cemetery where they talk about Jesus being a vampire, and they talk about there's a sequence where they sing the Star Spangled Banner in a very impassioned in a very passionate way. And gosh, there's just so many bizarre sequences in the film, and I'm watching it, man. And I'm and you know normally I wouldn't talk about a film like this, but it was so engaging in a weird, bizarre way. Now I'm going to talk about why I don't I don't really like the term "so bad it's good," and I think that's a pretty uh, poor way of judging a film's quality, and I'll talk about that in a minute, because I guess this could be considered so bad it's good, but I don't even think this is intentionally, um, I mean, I think this is intentionally done in a certain way. To me, watching the film, man, it's too specific to be a misguided attempt. You can watch a film and go, oh, well, they meant to do this, or and the, the dialogue here just didn't work out, or it sounds artificial, and even though the characters are not supposed to be, and or you have sequences where maybe the lighting is poor or the audio is poor, uh, you know, 
but this is a film where it, it, it repeatedly is, is very um, strange, but in a specific way. Like, it starts out with a... Oh, I shall say this is a musical as well. With um, a, a, a... Well, I can't even call it really a dance. It's more of like a... I guess it is a dance. But, like, they, they're singing about Harold Lloyd and and how he was on the clock tower. And uh, <laughs> in a moment, that actually made me laugh out loud. Is They're, they're in an office... And they have all these, and, and there's a guy there, I assume is the third actor, um, Lars Slobodow, and he's asking about how they did the uh, the famous sequence in Safety Last, so uh, uh, J- Joseph goes to say, and he says, no, I, I need her to tell me. So he just interrupts her again, and then on the wall behind them is how they did the sequence. Like, there's posters on the wall of the images of how they made the sequence. I'm like, man, why not just look at the damn wall? It's right, like, am I missing something, man? It's so bizarre, and but it's so fascinating, too. And another thing is that the movie is an hour and 20, but the movie, <laughs> the movie's over in about 57 minutes. And I was like, there's... And, and the video Horrible Review said that the credits are the entire last half of the film, or the last half hour, and I'm thinking, there's no way, man. There's got to be something. And I skimmed through, and... By golly, man! There it is. It is exactly that. It is all credits. And I, when the movie ended, I was completely dumbfounded as to what just happened. It doesn't even end. It sort of stops. And man, the Holdra is something else, man. It's a film that I I had never even heard about. There's not even that many reviews online of it. I think on Letterboxd is what like maybe 50 or so, which I guess is probably more than more than an amount. But uh, I want to compare it to another film that I actually watched last night, because I told an acquaintance of mine, sorry about that, I had to get a sip of coffee, okay, it looks like on Letterboxd, 70, 72 people have watched it, there's 50, there's six on 53 lists, and how many reviews of there are, uh, I don't know how to tell how many reviews of there are, anyways, here's, here's the thing, man, here's why I don't believe in the term so bad it's good, why I just believe in a good, in a good, enjoyable film, is I told an acquaintance of mine that I just watched this bizarre film called The Holdra. I couldn't even explain it. I couldn't put it into words, man. I was dumbfounded. It blinded me with science, man. It was, it was totally out of this world. And so he's like, man, I saw this film called Love on a Leash. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And he's like, man, and I had me intrigued. I was, and the thing is, I should also mention too, I had no intention of watching these films. I had to do some work and I needed something I could just leave on. Uh, while I was taking care of some stuff, so I didn't really, I didn't want to pay attention to too much, but the whole dress sucked me in, I ended up sitting down and watching the dang thing. Um, so I threw this film on Love on a Leash, I'm not even going to talk about it, I'm not, I'm not talking about the difference, and Love on a Leash is a film that apparently is very popular online, I was not familiar with the um, reception the film had received. And Love on a Leash, I think, um, sorry man, interrupted once again, I had to briefly pause there. Anyways, man, when I was talking about the difference before with a film like the whole run Love on a Leash, man, is that with Love on a Leash, man, I, I, like I said before, I wasn't familiar with that. I, I guess it's a popular kind of cult film online. It's, I mean, it's a ridiculous setup, man. The whole, the film is completely ridiculous. This, this, this girl, and I was, I knew nothing about it. I, I knew the cover. Like I said, it's like this chick falls in love with this dog that transforms into a person, man. It's, it's bizarre. It's strange. There's no music. I, I, I turn on the film, man, and I'm turning up the volume. Like, where is the damn music? And then the dog starts speaking in narration, and it was so loud, man. People down the street heard it. It was actually like that sequence at the beginning of Back to the Future, when Marty turns up the amp all the way and gets thrown across the room. That should happen to me, man, but maybe not in those exact terms. But anyways, man, so 
you know, for the film is fun, you know, it has some fun moments, but overall it's not a film that I'm going to really go back to again and again. I didn't find it quite as enjoyable as maybe some other people had. Maybe that's in part because, uh, you know, I'd been burnt out from the Holdra, or maybe not even burnt out is the right word, but I just watched that, so... Um, my uh my my ability to kind of surrender myself more to a ridiculous and uh, that i know will be ridiculous maybe has waned a little bit but you know when the thing with films like the difference between that is that the the with love on a leash i was quite uninterested through primarily the second half um while it was still peculiar and still had moments that made me scratch my head i i was never quite getting that um feeling of just like man wow this is insane i'm really enjoying this and i'm gonna show this to people um i just i i was just i was typically uninterested i was generally uninterested and when it was over i didn't really have an urge to go back and you know show it to people or anything like that um with the holodra is a different story because i think when it comes to a film that people uh call so bad it's good i don't quite agree with that because if a film is enjoyable man even if it had even if it failed at its intention i still think that is a good film um I think the worst thing that a film could be is boring because there are films that, um, while they are incompetently made and they are completely ridiculous, uh, whether or not it gauges my interest for that entire time is um, up to the film. And the thing with the Holodra is that it's completely ridiculous. It's completely nonsensical. Um, I'm leaning more so that it was it's, it's, a, it's intentionally done in a certain way. This, this I, I'm pretty adamant that this is not a this is not a case of a of a film's intention going um, awry. It, it it's too out there to be like it's too specific to be like that. But it kept my interest the whole 57 minutes. I was so. I was so invested in the strange performances, the strange dialogue, the the strange musical numbers that just kept happening. I was like, man, what what is this film gonna do next? And and well, maybe I knew what it was gonna do next, more exposition. But I, it it sucked me in in a weird way. When it was over, I was just like, man, what a that's a strange film, man. I want to show some people, but. That's why I can't even possibly say so bad it's good. I mean, you know, I, I look at these as just cult films. I look at, you know, like, and which is the thing is, these aren't the films I normally gravitate to, man. I don't really have a whole lot of interest in just seeing a, a film I know will be peculiar like that, unless I can find some sort of um, academic merit behind it or a film that I can just see uh, as any sort of historical value. These aren't films that attract me. Um, and if they do you, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that for me personally, I, I, I don't find joy in just seeking out these kinds of films. Um, I, I mean, unless, I, I don't know, at least not primarily. Uh, it's, I, don't, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's a thing where, like, I love a film like Samurai Cop, which, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. It's completely over the top. I mean, uh, the dialogue's questionable. There are sequences that have nothing to do with anything. There's some weird inserts. Uh, it's a it's it's a bizarre film, man. The the the, the lead's wig even falls off at one point. It's completely bizarre, but it's a film that keeps my interest. It's a film that I keep going back to and showing people. And and that's a that's a film that you could say is so bad it's good. To me, I just think it's an enjoyable, uh, silly action film. Um, same with like Troll Two or something, or some of the bigger ones. Because oh, Troll Two is is so bad it's good. It's not. It's just it's just a it's just a strange film, man. It's just it. it you know, Claudio Fregresso, who I think, um, I, I really did not like that Best Worst Movie documentary. I thought that's kind of, uh, I thought they were, that would be very, um, very unfair to uh, Claudio Fregresso, who I think is actually a pretty good filmmaker and has made some very entertaining films like Zombie 4. Uh, but that's that's a case where everyone's like, oh, this film is so terrible, so terrible. I'm like, man, it's, like, it's not terrible enough if you're still talking about it. I mean, it's just, there, there are terrible films I see that I just forget about immediately. I mean, 
I, I, I really have not seen many films in my life that I can say are awful films or are films where I'm like, that is one of the worst ones that I've ever seen. Even if you go on my letterbox right now, I, there are only six films that I've ever given a half star, and not even all six of those are are the worst films I've ever seen. I mean, a half star is just it's its own category, man. People have their own reasoning for it. A half star for me is when I'm is when I just am struggling to find anything positive to say, and I'm just I'm I'm actively wanting the film to be over. But of of those films there, there's maybe two or three of them. Now maybe not even that. There's um, if you look at that here, there's only maybe two films on there I could say are two of the worst films I've ever seen. Next out of six, so it's just like. Man, I, I really, if you ask me to name name you the top ten, like, worst films I've seen or, or films I think are some of the worst, I couldn't name it to you, man. If you ask me what my favorite films are, yeah, those come to mind. You know, those immediately come to mind. I just don't, uh, I just don't revel in a film failing. If it entertains me, it entertains me, and that's all I care about, man. I want to be, I want to, if I feel something. And also, seeing a film like that with an audience, I think, is a big part of the collective kind of theatrical um, feeling. The cinematic feeling, I apologize, not theatrical. Um, in a theatrical setting, I'll get to. But like when when you watch a film like that, like if films like, um, if I see a film where it is it it's questionable and it's strange and maybe it misses the mark on some stuff, but the audience is actively reacting to it, then I think that succeeded. A film that I saw a couple months ago at a cinema was, um, uh, I think a early 80s, I believe. It was a martial arts film called Thrilling Bloody Sword, and I believe I may have mentioned it on the show before. I don't know. But it's a strange film. I mean, it's, you watch it, and it's obviously... It's from 81. It's, there's sets that are very obvious. There's bizarre sequences where a man turns into a bear. Um, man, that's got to be some sort of record of how many times I've been interrupted, man. If, if you're listening to this as is, it just, it's just, it just went by. It, it, there was no pauses, but for me, it just... Whatever, man. Anyways, I'm talking about when I watched Thrilling Bloody Sword. It was completely ridiculous, completely over the top, but the audience was with it, man. And not in a way where they're making fun of it. They're with it because it's so... It has such a specific feeling, and it's just so... You're in the world of the movie where anything can happen, man. Where a man can turn into a bear, and you can have these crazy action sequences and stuff. And that's the theatrical collective experience, man. That's why you can look at that and say, Oh, it's so bad, you know, because, oh, the dubbing is... Actually, I didn't see it dubbed. I saw it sometimes. But, oh, man, these sets look so fake, and... And these, these special effects are completely ridiculous. They're like, you know, but it's like what you get out of the film, man. And it's a film that I immensely enjoy. And with the Huldra, you know, it's completely out there, but I enjoyed it in a weird way. And especially for a film like this that I don't normally gravitate to, I, I was compelled. Maybe it was the power of the Huldra that sucked me in to watch the video and uh, watch the film online, which you can watch on like Tubi and it's on YouTube, which is I watched on YouTube. Um, it's completely out there, but that's why. If, if you keep my attention and if I'm talking about it the next day and still thinking about it, man, then I think you did a good job, man. There's plenty of there's plenty of well-made films that I watch that I just don't connect to or I just forget about. And um, that I, I don't know, man. Films like this I find much more interesting than just labeling it. It's just some, so bad it's good. Even look at something like Plan 9 from Outer Space, man. I mean, you know, how long is that considered to be the worst film of all time, which is such a completely idiotic and, and just... I think just a poor statement of uh, of assessing a film's quality as a film like Plan 9. There are, man, there are terrible films from the 50s. There are terrible science fiction films from the 50s that are just forgettable and they feel so long. And it just, you're just like, man, I, I mean, films that I've seen that are an hour feel like three hours. And Plan 9, it has a charm to it, man. Yes, the sets are cheaply made. Yes, they look, they knock over uh, one of the tombstones. Uh, uh, yes, the, the cockpit set looks like a set, but the performances 
are interesting. It's got, you know, straight, you can see, you can see the charm of the filmmaking where they tried their best. They tried to work around the death of Bela Lugosi and they tried to give us exposition. They tried to, you know, these are mostly non-actors, you know, giving these lines. And you're watching, you go, what is happening in this film? But it's, I, th- I find Plan 9 very enjoyable in a very sincere way where you can see shortcomings, but that actually makes a part of it, man, is that you can just see the filmmaking process behind it. And they tried to make something good, man. Which I, if films that try to be intentionally poor, I find com- a complete waste of time, and I have zero interest in um, a film like Plan Nine that that tried its best and didn't quite succeed has more sincerity than than other films that are just trying to make a cult film. And I find that so uninteresting. And and if people enjoy it, that's fine. But that's totally not for me. But man, the Holdra, I didn't think I'd be talking about it for this long. In fact, I had other things I had to talk about. But we're wrapping up this episode here. I'm at about 25 minutes. So a couple things I guess I'll talk about before we end up uh, wrapping up the episode. Uh, let's see. One of the films I was going to try, I was going to talk about a little bit, but I didn't quite get around to it. I don't know if it's full enough to talk about for a full episode, or at least for a lot of an episode. I. Um, watched, uh, this will be very brief, I, I watched, rewatched Beyond the Valley of the Dolls because I'm going through Russ Meyer's filmography and this was uh, next up on the list and it's a strange film, man. It's another one that I guess is considered a cult film and um, yeah, it, it's, it's out there. It's totally out there and it's, it's wild that they gave, you know, I, I recently read the book about the making of uh, the Valley of the Dolls um, about the, 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 the book and then the, making the film and the problems it came across. And, and the end of the book briefly touches on Beyond the Valley of the Dolls with um, Russ Meyer getting the opportunity. And he did another film after that for Fox, um, The Seven Minutes, I think it's called, or The Seven Something. Um, it's a strange film, man. I don't know. I, I'm not quite as big on it as maybe a lot of other people, but it is a cool film. It's, it's, there's, uh, it's interesting to see Russ Meyer's filmography uh, up to that point where he was making, you know, early on his career, making a lot of uh, nudie films that were just, um, you know, you get a glimpse of, uh, of a topless one or anything like that. And then later on when he starts making more risque kinds of films that feature more um, full frontal nudity, um, lesbianism, a lot of stuff like that. It's, it's interesting to see that, especially here with a budget, with a studio budget. It's, it's cool, man. It's a cool film. And, and it looks uh, professionally shot, of course. You know, there's Fox. Um, I, I don't think it, it, it gets a little dull in the middle for me. It, it becomes a little repetitive. And while the beginning and the ending are definitely the scenes people talk about, even though the beginning is, fla- is a flash forward to the end, um, it's, it's not a film that, like, like the first Valley of Dolls, it's not a film that I really go back to a lot. Um, I, I find them very interesting pieces of, of their time when they came out, and especially reading that book gave me some context, but it's a film where, both of the films, where I just, I, I, I something that doesn't totally click for me. Valley of the Dolls is more of a, um, it's more of a delayed effect where I always knew it had this reputation. So I watched the film and I've seen it who twice now, I think. Yeah. I've seen it twice. And, um, every, you know, both times I've seen it, I'm like, all right, well, this, I mean, it's a little dated, but it's not too bad. You know, it's fine. And then at a certain point, it's very melodramatic, very over the top. And you just go, oh, okay, this is reputation. And apparently uh, from reading the book, it, it's, it's a little, it's pretty different from the book in terms of some of the more risque parts that you probably would have been in beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which I mean, it's, it's not even a sequel. The film actually opens with a thing saying it's not a sequel. It's like a different type of the same story pretty much. And, um, it really is. It's these three girls who end up, um, going and uh getting involved with men and drugs and that uh you check out beyond the dolls man it's it's 
It's not one of my favorites, but it's a cool film, man. It even has a Criterion Blu-ray, which is wild, man. It's, it's a cool film that I actually like quite a bit. Um, that's all I got, man. I hope you are all doing well. I hope you are all spending these nice days. It's just very hot out, but that's all right, man. It will not deter us from our passions and our arts. I hope you're watching good stuff. I hope you are rec getting recommended good stuff and recommending good stuff and keeping up with the daily tasks that you need to in terms of creating your art. I know it can be difficult sometimes, and I know that some days you feel maybe like you're slacking behind or comparing yourself to others, but don't do that, man. Go your own pace, do your thing, and get the work done, no matter how long it takes, man. Because all that matters is that it gets done. All right, man, I'm going to end it right there. I will be back next week for more talk. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, watch Safety Last. After all this talk, I never mentioned that. Safety Last is just one of the greatest films of all time. So why don't you do yourself a favor? Maybe have yourself a double feature. They're both pretty short. Safety Last is, got to be, it's, it's what, I think 70, 80 minutes, and the whole drill is only 57 minutes. So, yeah, man, check those films out. That's all I got.